Chapter Four of the Third Person. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Anthony Orr. It was on a Sunday morning in April, a day brimming over with the turn of the season. She had gone into the garden before church, and they cherished alike with pottering intimacies and opposed theories and a wonderful apparatus of old gloves and trowels and spuds and little botanical cards on sticks. This feature of their establishment, where they could still differ without fear and agree without diplomacy, and which now, with its vernal promise, threw beauty and gloom and light and space and a great good-nature's ease into their wavering scales. She was dressed for church, but when Susan, who had, touching a window, seen her wandering, stooping, examining, touching, appeared in the doorway to signify a like readiness, she suddenly felt her intention checked. Thank you, she said, drawing her near. I think that, though I've dressed, I won't, after all, go. Please, therefore, proceed without me. Miss Susan fixed her. You're not well? Not particularly. I shall be better. The morning's so perfect here. Are you really ill? Indisposed, but not enough so. Thank you for you to stay with me. Then it has come on but just now? No, I had felt not quite fit when I dressed, but it won't do. Yet you'll stay out here? Miss Amy looked about. It will depend. Her friend paused long enough to have asked what it would depend on, but abruptly, after this contemplation, turned instead of merely throwing over her shoulder, at least take care of yourself, went rustling in her stiffest Sunday fashion about her business. Miss Amy, left alone, as she clearly desired to be, lingered a while in the garden, where the sense of things was somehow made more delicious by the sweet, vain sounds from the church tower, but by the end of ten minutes she had returned to the house. The sense of things was not delicious there, for what it had last come to was that, as they thought of each other, what they couldn't say, all their contacts were hard and false. The real wrong was in what Susan thought, as to what she was too much too proud and too sore to undeceive her. Miss Amy went vaguely to the drawing-room. They sat as usual after church at their early Sunday dinner, face to face, but little passed between them save that Mrs. Amy felt better, and that the curate had preached, and that no one else had stayed away, and that everybody had asked why Amy had. Amy, hereupon, satisfied everyone by feeling well enough to go in the afternoon, on which occasion, on the other hand, and for reasons even less luminous than those had operated with her mate in the morning. Miss Susan remained within. Her comrade came back late, having, after a church, paid visits, and found her, as daylight faded, seated in the drawing-room, placid and dressed, but without so much as a Sunday book. The place contained whole shelves of such reading in her hand. She looked as if a visitor had just left her, that Amy put the question. Has anyone called? Dear no, I've been quite alone. This again was indirect, and it instantly determined for Miss Amy a conviction. A conviction that, on her also sitting down, and just as she was, and in a silence that prolonged itself, promoted in its turn another determination. The April dusk gathered, and still, without further speech, the companions sat there. But at last Miss Amy stood in down, not quite her commonest. This morning he came, while you were at church. I suppose it must have been, really. Therefore, of course, I can't know it. What's what I mo was moved to stay at home for? She spoke now, out of her contentment, as if to oblige her with explanations. But it was strange how Miss Susan met her. You stay at home for him? I don't, she fairly laughed at the triviality of the idea. Miss Amy was naturally struck by it, and after an instant even netted. Then why did you do this afternoon? Oh, it wasn't for that, Miss Susan lightly quavered. She made a distinction. I really wasn't well. At this her cousin brought it out. But he had been with you? My dear child, said Susan, launched unexpectedly even to herself. He's with me so often that if I put myself out for him. But at the sight of something that showed through the twilights in her french face she pulled herself up amy spoke however with studied stillness you ceased then to put yourself out you gave me you remember 
an instance of how you once did and she tried on her side a laugh oh yes that was it at first but then i've seen a lot of him since do you mean you hadn't susan said then as her companion only sat looking at her has this really been the first time since we last talked miss amy for a minute said nothing you actually believe me to be enjoying on your own account what i enjoy how couldn't i at the very least miss susan cried so grand and strange as you must allow to say you struck me amy hesitated i hope i sometimes struck you as decent but was a touch that in her friend's almost amused preoccupation with the simple fact happily fell short you've only been waiting for what didn't come miss amy coloured in the dark it came i tell you to-day better late than never and miss susan got up amy first sat looking it's because you thought that you had ground for jealousy that you've been extraordinary poor susan at this quite bounced about jealousy it was a tone never heard from her before that brought amy fresh to her feet so that for a minute in the unlighted room where in honour of the spring there had been no fire and the evening chill had gathered they stood as enemies it lasted fortunately even long enough to give one of them time suddenly to find it horrible but why should we quarrel now amy broke out in a different voice susan was not too alienated quickly enough to meet it it is rather wretched now when we're equal amy went on yes i suppose we are then however as if just to attenuate the situation susan had her last lapse from grace they say you know that is why a woman quarrel is usually about a man amy recognised it but with also with a reserve well then let there first be one and don't you call him no amy declared and turned away while her compassion showed her with a vain wonder at what she could case that expected their identity of privilege was thus established but it is not certain with the air which she indicated that the subject had better drop didn't press down for an instant her side of the balance she knew that she knew most about men the subject did drop for the time it being agreed between them that neither should from the hour accept the other any confession or report they would treat all occurrences now as not worth mentioning a course easy to pursue from the moment to suspicion jealousy had on each side been so completely laid to rest they had led their life for a month or two on the smooth side of taking everything for granted by the end of which time, however, try as they would, they had set up no question that, while a pair of gentlewomen living together only must meet, could successfully pretend to take the place that of Cuthbert Frush. The spring softened and deepened, reached out its tenbrand and scattered its shy graces. The earth broke, the air stirred, with emancipations that were untouched in voices of the path. Our friends bent their backs in the garden and their noses over its symptoms. They opened their windows in the mildness and tracked it in the lanes and by the hedges yet the plant of conversation between them markedly failed to renew itself with the rest it was not indeed the mildness that was not within them as well as without all asperity at least had melted away and they were more than ever pleased with their general acquisition which at the winter's end seemed to give out more of its old secrets to hum however faintly with more of its old echoes to creak here and there with the expiring throb of old aches the deepest sweetness of the spring at mar was just in its being this way of attestation of age and rest the place never seemed to have lived and lingered so long when kind nature, like a maiden blessed to a crone, laid rosy hands upon its grizzled head. Then it, the new season was light held up to all to show, to the dignity of the years, but also all the wrinkles and scars. The good ladies in whom we are interested changed, at any rate, with the happy days, and it finally came out that not only that the invidious note has dropped, but it has so positively turned to music. The whole tone of the time made so for tenderness that it really seems at moments that they were sad for each other they had their grounds at last each found them in their own consciousness but it was at least waited on the one hand to be sure that she could speak without offence fortunately at last the tense cord snapped the old church at amara is still liberal 
it does its in memories upmost to people with names and dates and memories and eulogies with generations foreshortened and confounded the high empty table at which grand old cripple of the church looks down over the low wall it serves in an easy thoroughfare and the stranger finds himself pausing in it with a sense of respect and compassion for the great maimed ivied shoulders as the image strikes him of stone miss susan and miss amy were strangers enough to still have stunk down one may morning on the sun-warm tablet of a ancient tomb and have remained looking at them in the sort of ancient peace their walks were all pointless now as if they always stopped and turned for unconfessed point want of interest before reaching their object that object presented itself at every start at the same to each but they each came back too often without have gotting near it this morning strangely on the return almost in sight of the door they were more in presence of it than they had ever been and they seemed fairly to touch it when Susan said at last, quite in the air and with no trace of reference. I hope you don't mind, dearest, if I'm awfully sorry for you. Oh, I know it, Amy returned. I felt it. But what does it do for us? Then Amy saw, with wonder and pity, how little resentment for penetration or patronage she had to fear, and out of what a depth of sentiment similar to her own, her companion helplessly spoke. You're sorry for me? Amy at first only looked at her with tired eyes, pushing her out a hand around the world remained on her arm. Dear old girl, you might have told it to me before she went on as she took everything in though after all haven't we each really known it well said susan we've waited we could only wait then if we waited together her friend returned that has helped us yes to keep him in his place who would ever believe in him miss susan wearily wondered if it wasn't for you and for me not doubting of each other her companion took her up and yet that wouldn't be a creature it's lucky for us said miss amy that we don't doubt oh if we did we shouldn't be sorry no except selfishly for ourselves i am assure you for in myself it has made me older but luckily at any rate we should trust each other we do said miss susan we do miss amy repeated they lingered a little on that but except as mum making feel older what has it done there it is and it is though we've kept it in its place miss amy continued he has also kept us in ours we've lived with it she declared in melancholy justice and we wondered at first if we could she ironically added well isn't it just what we feel now that we we can't any longer no it must stop and i've had my idea said miss susan first oh i assure you i've had mine her cousin responded then if you want to act don't mind me because you certainly won't mind me no i suppose not well amy sighs if merely from this relief had at last come her comrade echoed it and they were made side by side and nothing could have had more urgency than what was assumed alike in what had been said and what had been kept back there would have been at this at least in their favour for a question of their case that each charged dejectedly with her own experience took on the part of the other the extraordinary the ineffable and in fact all for granted they never named it again as easy it was not easy to name the whole matter shrouded itself in personal discriminations and privacies the comparison of notes had become a thing impossible what was definite was that they had lived into their queer story passed through it as through an observed a studied eclipse of the usual a period of reclusion a financial social or moral crisis and now only desired to live out of it again the questioner we have been supposing might have even fancied that again on her side had hoped for something which she had finally perceived and was never to give which would have been exactly moreover the core of her secret and the explanation of her reserve they at least as the business stood put each each other to no test and if they were in fact disillusioned and disappointed came together after their long blight solidly on that it fully appeared that between them they felt a great deal older with when they got up from their sun-warm slab however reminding e each other of luncheon 
it was with a visible increase of ease with and with miss susan's hand drawn for the walk home in miss amy's arm thus was the idea that each continued unspoken and ungrudged it was each wished the other to try their own first from which it might have been gathered that they alike presented difficulty and with entailed expense the great question remained what then did he want ablution peace rest his final reprieve merely to say that the soul no further than on the way that they had already come what were they at last to do with him what could they give him that he would take the ideas they respectively nursed still bore no fruit and at the end of another month miss susan was frankly anxious about miss amy miss amy has freely admitted that people must have begun to notice strange marks in them and look for reasons they were changed they must change back end of chapter four recorded by anthony orr